Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Recover with Carly podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. I also just want to say it has been a couple weeks since we had an episode come out, which I feel like makes this episode a little bit more special. Um, But I'm here with my friend Kate, who we met each other via social media, and I'm going to have her tell, tell you all a little bit about who she is and what she does. Um, but let me just say she is like one of those accounts that has been a lot of like therapeutic inner child healing for me. She does a lot of Y2K like throwback videos and, um, it's just so healing. So Kate, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Hi Carly. I'm so happy I'm here and I'm honored if you know, if it's been a couple weeks, like a couple weeks, we're back. Like we I'm are, happy, yes. like, like, I'm on this episode, so let's go. We are back. Yeah. So, Kate, whenever you're ready, do you want to yeah. just share with listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, for those who aren't familiar? For sure. Okay. Hi, guys. Um, So, I'm Kate Steinberg. I um, am from Chicago, but I just actually moved to LA six months ago with my fiance, and so I'm a content creator. That's I'm full time right now, content creating on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and um, I. So I do my content is nostalgia. I love everything to do with the 2000s. Like that is the stuff that lights me up. Like when you when people say do the thing that like you love, not to be cheesy. Like this is what I love doing. Um, I. I just feel like I just all my memory. I can't remember to send an email, but I can tell you like every episode of Lizzie McGuire. So like that's how my brain works. Um, But I just love creating content, and I just and I think my biggest high is when people say they can relate to my stuff. So we can get into that, but like I just love nostalgic create uh, content and also have a little bit of lifestyle sprinkled in there as well. I try to make sure like I get my life in there, but it's 2000s for me. So and I love that. I feel like I, I was telling you this at the very beginning, right? This like inner child work and this like nostalgia that is just so therapeutic. And, you know, being a 29 year old who was raised in this, you know, 2000s, all of the stuff that you post is so spot on. It's like, I forgot about that until I saw Kate's post. And it reminded me of, (laughs) you know, something that that I bought at Claire's or something that I bought at Justice or, you know, something like that from your videos. And I think it's just so fun. But I am curious, like, have you always been a creative or is this something that came recently for you? Yeah. So, um, I've been advertising. I was a copywriter in advertising for nine years. Right when I graduated in 2013, I jumped, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was like, um, let's be a writer. I never wrote in my life. Like I just wanted to be creative. And, um, I kind of did like the fake it till you make it for the past, like nine, 10 years in the whole industry. Cause it's tough, but, um, I'm worked my way up to, um, a senior copywriter at Ulta beauty, which was my last previous job, which was amazing. Um, I, I, I truly love like being creative. I love, I, my passion was writing commercials for such a long time. I had so many late nights at the agency till 3am on pitches and trying to deliver things the client. So, um, I think it's all, I, it really was a struggle, like, to be honest, yeah. like that, that mm-hmm. time, but I think it's all built up and like, is like, it got me to where I am now. So I don't regret, regret all those late nights and miss yeah. weekends partying with my friends. Cause I was at the agency, but I think it brought me to where I am now. And now I finally, I'm my own boss, which is why I love, it's scary. Don't get me wrong. There's some scary like for any freelancer, if you're working for yourself, any entrepreneurs, it's you are in charge of your career. So that's a little yeah. scary sometimes. But for the most part, like I'm living my dream. Like I wake mm-hmm. up every day and I'm so grateful to be doing what I do. Like I, I yeah. just love creating. 
walk me through the process of you going viral on TikTok. Was this around the same time that kind of everyone else was jumping on board for TikTok? Um, were you still at Ulta? I'm assuming you were at your last job mm-hmm. before you before you kind of just went cold turkey into TikTok. Um, but like, what did that process look like for you? And was it something you were expecting? Was it was it a goal of yours to go viral and, and go full time on social media? Or was it just like for fun at first? So it's always been for fun. I've been on for a long time. I've been on since 2019, right when the app was, they brought, like they debuted it and we're being on and people being like, this is weird. Why are you on it? But I was having so much fun because I was just creating, like I was just throwing shit at the wall. Like, and that's what I did for a long time because I didn't really know what my thing was. And I think that was pretty much my story from 2019 to 2021, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Like it just was me just kind of like having fun on there. My whole thing was just like, I want to create, I want to create like, but I didn't know what I was doing, but, but I do remember always telling my fiance, Chad, like, I just want to find my thing. Like, I just want to find it. And that's a lot of people on there have their niches. And I just didn't know what mine was, like what really made me happy. You know, I could talk about food, could talk about fashion, but it just didn't feel like me until I made a video about American Girl dolls. And I remember that was my first big viral video was recreating the looks from the hair book I had as a kid. Mm. And I was like, wait, okay, hold on. That's my, that's my first viral video. Like, okay. So I did more. I started doing more of those. And then I started diving in from American Girl dolls to like Lizzie McGuire. Then I used to work at Abercrombie for so long. Started talking about Abercrombie. And the thing that brought this all together was that my mom has saved everything from my childhood. Literally this closet behind me all like is filled with all my stuff from home. And mm-hmm. I, I used to tell my mom, throw my stuff. When am I ever going to need my palms jacket and like come full circle in 2023? Like now I'm going home and like, I need these props. So, mm-hmm. um, in, I guess to bring this, okay. So like the whole thing about this is that nostalgic content was the thing that lit me up. That's when I truly felt I found my thing. I remember going on dates and always talking on my dates about like decom movies. And I thought to myself, if I could ever like bring this into like a career, like I would accept, like, I feel like this is my thing. Like, sure. I can write at my desk in my mm-hmm. cubicle. I just wasn't, I didn't feel it. And so I was really happy when, you know, um, that started, like I was able to just to continue on on that path. Cause it felt really right. And were there creators that you were watching before you started creating that content that inspired that for you? Or was it just like a random idea you had that just kind of took off. I think it just always rolled. Like it started from American girl. I think I just always just kept going diving deeper into like just my own stuff. But I mean, I've always followed, like I always liked creators that were like super positive. I always admire like Anna Sitar. Mm-hmm. I think she was like, I think she's just like, she's not a nostalgic creator, but I think she's just such yeah. a positive person. I think that energy is what I like in creators. Mm-hmm, definitely. And finding that, finding those people that bring that out in you as well mm-hmm. is, you know, helpful in finding that niche for you because you're like, yeah. I'm just looking for the joy. I'm looking for like the happiness. And, exactly. you know, it's like at first you're like, it's not about the numbers. It's not about the views. It's just like creating that joy and happiness for others. Mm-hmm. And then it feels good when you're like, oh, this did well. And, you know, this went viral. Yeah. And so many people related to this and and felt joy and happiness from watching Mm -hmm. that. So yeah, Yeah. such a good feeling. 
And I mean, it's always a good feeling nowadays to like have those videos that like people relate to that do well, but then you have the days, I mean, everyone here on social media, whether you're a full-time creator or not, like you also can get disheartened on days when a video doesn't do well. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you're left to be like, I suck, this sucks. Like, and especially when you're working for yourself, you have no one to turn to. So you're just kind of like beating up on yourself. So that's one thing I've had to learn recently is just to like give myself grace. I just don't want to seem like it's all rainbow and sunshines. Like there's days where you're just like, I suck. And then you're like, you pick yourself back up the next day. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And I appreciate that perspective because I think that there can be this space of like toxic positivity online, Mm -hmm. right? It's so easy to show all the happiness and all the positive and all the good stuff on social media, right? Mm -hmm. It's like this highlight reel. And I think it's always, it's always refreshing to have creators who show up and are like, today sucked. And like, I just really don't want to show up today. And so I'm not going to, and like kind of normalizing that for yourself, but also other creators and your community of like, I'm human. And as a human, I have hard days and it's yeah. important to show that side, I think. A hundred percent. I mean, I have a lot of nostalgic content on TikTok, but I do try to, try to sprinkle in like also, like I've been recently, I went on um, anxiety medication, which has like mm-hmm. been a really positive experience for me. And I try to showcase that because I also want to, I like, that's also relating to people in a different way. Yeah. So that's, so that's been nice to kind of like open up more about that. And because I think mm-hmm. that's super important to talk about. Do you feel like the anxiety for you came with kind of becoming this public figure online or was that, did you, have you struggled with anxiety for most of your life? Oh my God, I've, I've struggled with anxiety um, my entire life. Like that has been like deep rooted since I was like a kid. And I, and I feel like this feeling of like, I, I feel like type A, like you, you're, when you want to do everything perfect and like want to get A's and you want to make the team and like, and that's fine. I, I do that. The anxiety gave me a drive. Like I do appreciate, I always said to myself, I love my anxiety because it pushes me, but then it gets to a point where it's like, well, hang on. Now it's kind of like making me sad. Mm -hmm. And now I don't, it's becoming kind of dark and it's kind of like, I don't want to get out of bed. And I think those are the signs recently within the past year when I started to realize, all right, like, all right, this isn't like anxiety that is normal anymore. Like this is kind of too much. So I'm happy that I was able to like, I was open-minded to like see different, Mm -hmm. like therapist and talk to people and talk to friends. And like, I'm grateful that I had a support system to help me like realize like my options for like my, like getting help and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Is that something you saw? Like, was that a normal conversation? Was mental health something that was talked about in your home growing up? Or is that something that you've kind of learned to normalize for yourself over the last couple of years? I think it's definitely like learn to normalize over like as an adult. Cause I feel like growing up, especially, I don't know if like it was just like the early 2000s, but you kind of kept things private. You kind of just like, if you had a job interview or something at work, like you just show up at work, put a smile on and no one needs to know your business. I don't know. Like at least that's how I felt. Like no one needs to know your business. And that's just kind of like how I feel like I grew up and it wasn't a bad thing. I'm not saying my parents like it was anything bad. It's just like, they just wanted me to like, just go like be positive, you know, go out mm-hmm. there. And so I think over time though, like as an adult and like as society has changed too, like everyone's open now. And I think that's so great. Cause like people need, need like everyone needs somebody. And so I, that's mm-hmm. what also like a beautiful thing about TikTok is like, you could be scrolling and I come across a video of someone giving like a positive, like, 
I don't know, like, you know, those videos where it's like, hey, you, I know you need yes. this message. And then I'm like bawling at the end of it. I'm like, how did the algorithm know I needed this right now? Like, yeah. so I think there's oh a beautiful gosh, side. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that kind of like if, you know, we could take that and string that into like the Y2K, like we have all this like nostalgia and the Y2K early 2000s, like positive side of it, right? Like all Mm -hmm. of these memories we have related to toys and trinkets and the the things that we wore and the music we listened to and the shows we watched. But we also have, you know, a lot of us experience similar issues within like related to mental health, because a, Mm -hmm. a lot of our parents didn't have the knowledge or they didn't have like the education or there was still stigma associated with mental health and stuff. So that made talking about things feel a little bit harder. Right. So it's like, we Mm -hmm. have that, a lot of us have that similarity or that connection as well, where we're like, Oh, my mom responded the same way to this situation or, Oh, my mom also did that diet. And I did that diet with her in Mm -hmm. 2005. Right. So it's like that similarity and that connection, I feel like is also so therapeutic because it, it helps us feel like less alone in that. A hundred percent. And I, and I mean, talking about nostalgia for me too, it does like, it's a simpler time. I think there is like, we talked about, like you said, inner child and Mm -hmm. healing that. And like, it just is not, for me, it's just, I just love talking about like the past. I think I just, there's something about like the before cell phone era that's so simple and like, Mm -hmm. it was so fun. And I just like, and I, maybe, maybe I, maybe there's probably something deeper to it that I do love talking about it. Like it, maybe it brings me more subconsciously. There's, I'm, I am taking myself back to like a, just a, just a happier place. Yeah. And I think it's, it's natural for us to go back to, you know, if I'm thinking about it from a therapist perspective, right? Like if I have a client who's like, Oh, life feels so shitty right now. Life feels so hard right now. And I asked them, like, when was the, like, when was a time where you felt like just pure joy and happiness? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of them, it was, oh, when I was, you know, buying Beanie Babies with my grandma or something, you know, it's like, there is something so therapeutic about that memory. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think being able to go back to that and reminisce on that can be so therapeutic for, you know, people who are like, Oh, I feel so stuck right now. Or I just want out of my head. Okay. Let's go back to a time that felt happy and felt fun for a little bit. And I think having creators like you that kind of give us that visual as well, um, makes getting to that space feel a little bit easier. We're like, okay, I'm just going to step out of my reality for a couple of minutes and just scroll to feel like I'm kind of submerging myself back into this time that felt a little bit simpler. Oh, I love that. And I love that perspective too. And I think that's really, when I get messages like that, that's what honestly, like that brings me, like it keeps me going. Like that is why mm-hmm. I do Like not only it brings me joy, but I do love bringing others joy. I love making them laugh. So yeah. I really do like that perspective though. Of, like I never thought about it, maybe helping people like kind of detach from their reality, but if that's, true for some people that makes me really happy so yeah I mean it's been it's been true for me sometimes right where I'm, I'm like yeah. oh I don't want to like think about this or you know I have a, a really hard time with a client and I'm like I don't want to sit in this and feel super sad for the rest of the night so I need to just mm-hmm. like kind of escape for a minute so let me go to Kate's page and scroll some videos that make me feel you know like 
I'm back at a time that felt a little bit simpler and yeah. not so <laughs> complex because yeah. there's a lot of shit happening in the world that feels very much out of our control. And so being able mm-hmm. to kind of go back to a time where we're like, we didn't have to think about this stuff <laughs> as much. Yeah. It's, you know, totally. it feels nice. No, I, I mean, I feel like my vice then is like chipmunk videos. So on TikTok, <laughs> I, I watch like animal videos all day to like take out, to take me out of my reality. So that's hilarious. I love that. Yeah. So you mentioned the, you know, you have these days that feel harder for you where, mm-hmm. you know, there's the anxiety that you're experiencing and starting to really open up about that and get talk to a therapist and, you know, get medication for all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important that you're talking about that and you're showing that side. We talked about that, but I'm curious, like, what are your go-tos in navigating those days? Oh, absolutely. So I've learned on those days Um, if I'm really down on myself, like, let's say it's a day I can't get out of bed. Well, maybe that I'm just working from bed. It might not look like my typical work day, but maybe it's just, I stay in bed and that's it. Or, um, I found walking has really helped, um, breathing. I, sometimes I honestly am just not breathing. Like, um, that technique, the four, seven, eight. Yes. Like that has changed my life. I remember a therapist last year told me that. And I, and when I need to like center myself again, like, I sometimes I just forget that I'm breathing. Um, also journaling. I know there's a lot of things you can do, but like, I feel like journaling. I, I love journaling. Sometimes I just need to get it out and I don't even know what's on my mind. And then once it's all out, I'm like, wow, okay. I feel better. It's not just all sitting in my brain. And, um, and then sometimes just talking to a friend, I don't realize how, how much I need to like, just call somebody to get out of my own head. So, yeah. oh, Definitely. and the last one is a comfort show, Love Island. I yes. I have like that one show that just makes me feel like less anxious and Love Island somehow is that show for me. I'll rewatch it even. Mm-hmm. But like if you have a comfort show, just like sometimes you just need to watch it and feel good. Are you loving, are you watching Love Island UK or Love Island US? Love Island UK. I actually UK. watch them all, but like UK is like my jam. Yeah, I'm currently in the middle of season five of Love Island US. And that has been, I like binged all the other seasons, just like randomly started watching it. And it's funny because that is the show that I turn on between clients. Like I'll have like an hour break between clients and I will go downstairs, I will make my lunch and I will sit on the couch and I will watch Love Island US. And for some reason, I don't know what it is, but yeah, just like, I can kind of be on my phone a little bit while I'm Mm -hmm. watching it, but it's also like, you know, interesting enough and juicy enough that it's like pulling me in. So I totally understand that. Like that. Exactly. People, I feel like shame people for watching like reality TV or like trash TV. They're like, why are you wasting your time? It's like, no, there can be so much like comfort in that. And just like allowing yourself the time to not do anything, not to think about anything, but just to like watch something that is entertaining is a valid coping skill to use. hundred percent. I'm there with you. That's me with like all reality shows, but I did just start watching the summer. I turned pretty and we'll end there. And it's so good. I have heard so much. I have heard so much about it. I feel like it's going to be one of those shows that I cry. Like every episode I've heard, it's like pretty emotional. Um, I cry. I I probably would cry on Love Island if something happened and someone was sad. I'd be like crying. Oh, I'm a crier. That's what I do. That is who I am. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Speaking of reality TV shows, you were on a reality TV show, 12 Days of Christmas, which is 
I feel like I wasn't super familiar with the show until um, I started following you, and then I saw that your fiance, you and your fiance, met on the show. And yeah. so, can you tell us a little bit about Twelve Dates of Christmas for anyone who doesn't know what it is and what that experience was like for you? Yeah, so the show Twelve Dates of Christmas aired back in twenty twenty. Um, so it's no longer, well, just disclaimer, it is no longer on HBO Max. They recently took it down, but it was two seasons. And the whole premise of the show was that there was three leads and there would be like, it's not contestants, I like, like love interests coming in for them. And um, the whole idea was that these leads would take somebody home for Christmas. That was it. There was no engagement at the end, no marriage. It was pretty simple. You just meet someone and go home with them for Christmas. And within the people coming in for the leads, the people coming in could also mingle with each other, which kind of like started some, in quotes, drama. Um, mm-hmm. But that is where I met my fiance, Chad. Um, I came in in the middle of the show. And I, so before I went on the show, I was in Chicago. I felt like I was just dating everybody. I feel feel like people were just like setting me up with their friends. I was on hinge. I was, you know, I was trying, I was really trying. So when the show was presented to me and I was reached out through Hinge, actually. So I thought I matched with the guy, but the guy was actually a producer. And I'm still friends with a girl producer. They don't do that anymore. I think they shut that down. But um, she was sneaky, and she reached out to me, and she was like, hey, I'm actually a producer. Um, would you be interested in this Christmas dating show that's on a new now new network? Because at the time in 2020, nobody knew what HBO Max was. Mm-hmm. So um Fast forward, um, I so I meet Chad, and I I'm not a person that would ever say I like I I get really scared like being cringy and cheesy, but I really do think for me it was love at first sight. Like after our first date, I was like, oh my god, this is so easy, and that was the first time I've ever felt something so easy with somebody. And I remember thinking like I am not leaving this castle without him. So um, and that experience was so crazy because they take away your phones. You have no music. You are just in your You don't even have a clock. So you're just in your room for a week. And the one thing I do love about the show is that it, it was finally me just listening to my gut. I wasn't, because, you know, when you're dating people, you, you sometimes you're texting stuff to your friends or asking, you know, somebody for their opinion. You have so many people, like, involved with just your date that this time it was silence. And it was like, what does Kate want? And that was the first time I ever think I really, like, listen to myself. So it was such a beautiful experience. And the show filmed in February, March, COVID happened. So it shut down production right before the finale. So from March to July, Chad and I just FaceTimed every day because it was COVID and we couldn't see anybody. And then when production picked up again in July, that's when he proposed. So kind of crazy. So people like, it looks like it was filmed in 12 days. And I, I genuinely believe I have family members who still think we got in 12 days. Like, I don't think people question. I don't even, I even have some people, I swear, who ask me, like, to this day, well, was it real? What do you, what do you, you think we're faking this? Like, I could not fake that. Like, it, no, it's, it's real. I, I get so stunned by people who ask that. Like, no, I think it's so odd, but there are people who still ask that. Um, so yeah, so we've been together for three years. Um, we're engaged and no wedding date yet because we got engaged pretty quickly. So 
we're finally having talks of weddings, a wedding now, but no date yet or anything. So mm-hmm. kind of a crazy story. Oh my gosh. That is so wild. I didn't even think about the idea of like production stopping and then having months of like, you're not filming, but then when production picks back up, they, they pick up where they left off and then yeah. it looks like, you know, it's still these 12, these 12 Days. dates and then you're like Wait. engaged and then people, people are, like, are like, what? Did you get engaged after 12 dates? <laughs> That's exactly what it looked like. And because when we come back in July, you can tell, like, our connection is totally, like, we're really, like, in love at this point. So, um, yeah, so it, the, the span of it, I remember, and I didn't remember, I didn't tell any of my friends. No one knew until you got to the ending of the show is when my friends were, like, you did what? But honestly, I would have it no other way. Like Chad's a gem. I like, and it's been really fun. It's been a journey to be honest, mm-hmm. like from, cause after the show, he was in New York still, I was in Chicago and we're like, Oh, I guess engaged people now move in together. Like it kind of was like, so he came to Chicago. So we were there for three years and now we're in LA. So it's been like a journey. It's been, it's been like crazy, but I'm, I'm super I wouldn't trade the experience, so. Yeah, I mean, when you know, you know, right? Like, Mm -hmm. when you know that that's your person, you know that that's your person. So you're like, you know, why why say no? Why hold back? Were you the only two to come out of the show engaged? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're the only people. No, we are. Together. We're the only people together from the show, so. Okay. Because engagement was... Never the prep. Like, I, Chad and I joke because we both went on the show because engagement, it was low commitment. There was actually mm-hmm. nothing to come out of it. And it's too funny. Like, the two people who are like, there's no, like, no engagement. Sure. Like, are the people who got engaged. So, yes. yeah. Oh, I love that. What was it like being on a reality television show? I loved it. Like, I'm not going to say, like, my experience, like, obviously, my outcome was amazing. But there was times in there that was, like... There was challenging times, too, because I didn't know the big picture. Like, I didn't know what he was doing on dates. I also didn't know, like, when somebody came back for him. Like, I didn't know producers set that up. So they they would create the scenario and put you there. And then how you reacted was real. Okay. So I think sometimes, like, as an anxious person already, like, I was like, when I sat in my room for six hours and they bring me out somewhere, then it's like, go react. I think that was like the hardest part. Um, and also just focusing on Chad and I's relationship. I think like, the, he, you know, cause he was dating other people. The one thing I had to like remind myself constantly was like, okay, like, yes, he might be dating other people right now, but I remember kept, I kept telling myself, but they're not you. And I think that's important for everybody. Like whether you're dating or not work, feel like whatever, like just always remember like, there's no one like you. And I and I try to remember myself when I'm comparing myself to others. Like, it's easier said than done. But I think that was the one thing that really got me through the, the experience was remembering, like, yeah, like, yeah, she might be beautiful. She might be so smart. I have all these things. But, like, I also bring something to the table. So, like, I can't forget that. And also just know, like, what we have. Stop mm-hmm. focusing on what they have. Just remember, like, I was just really confident of our connection. So, I journaled a lot. I remember I did have a pen and paper that I got from the hotel. And I remember that was like my saving grace. Cause like I journaled the shit out of that thing. And cause that was like my only friend. They'd stick you back in a room in silence. And you're like, what do I do? I either do like push ups on the floor or I journal. And that was it. 
So oh they had nothing God. else to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that that's yeah, such a unique situation to be in where you're like, okay, hanging out in this room, waiting for a producer to come get you, but you're mm-hmm. like developing feelings for this person, but you know, they're also going on other dates. So you're, yeah. you're but then you're also stuck in your room, like just with your own thoughts. And I yeah. can imagine that would be so difficult to navigate, like yes. the comparison, right? And like mm-hmm. all of that. So I'm, you know, like I feel like that would have a negative toll on your like self-esteem and your confidence but it sounds like you handled that in a way of like this person's not me and I bring Mm -hmm. something unique to the table and I'm confident in what Chad and I have and you know I think that that's so important probably what made that process feel a little bit easier for you exactly and also also I hated drama so that was yeah. the other thing. Like I go on a reality show and then I quickly realize, wait, I hate drama. I don't want to be a part of this. And then, so then I'm like trying to navigate that. Like I'm not trying to step on people's toes, but also like I need to fight for like, I, I think the biggest thing was I learned from the experience. If you feel something, you got to say it. And I think that was so unique about it. Cause like, you know, when you're on a date in the real world, like, should I text? Should I not text? Do I, you know, this, no, if I thought that was kind of cool about it is that like, if I liked him, I said, I liked him. If I want to see him again, you say it like, and it was quick, but like, I think that really forced me to get out of my shell and that was speak up for what I want. So I, so I look back at it as like, just like a very, like I, a growing experience. Like I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. look where you, and look what it got you. It got you this like beautiful relationship and mm-hmm. I'm sure so much personal growth that you've had and, you know, lessons that you've learned and all these things that you've shared with us of like, just say what you're feeling, like share that, mm-hmm. don't hold back. Like those are all really helpful and useful tools for us to implement in any aspect yeah. of our life. And when people always ask, I have some people ask me, should I go on a reality show or should I do this? I always, I live by the thing. If, if it scares me, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think going on a show, meeting someone on a show was something so scary that I did it. So I feel like taking the risk was like something I try to do. Like moving out to LA was scary, but I'm I, I, like, I, I got to do it now. Like I, I what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to regret this in 20 years if I don't try it. So mm-hmm. I try to do that. I try to push myself a lot despite yeah. it's So it's an interesting thing, especially when you have anxiety, because you, <laughs> you're so scared about the future, but you also just got to do it. Cause if I don't mm-hmm. do it, I, I'll never like, I'll let my anxiety win every single time. Yeah. And that's what I tell clients all the time is I'm like, we don't grow by remaining in our comfort zone. Like we Mm -hmm. grow when we step out of our comfort zone and whether that situation turns out like you wanted it to, or it goes to shit and it doesn't turn out like you wanted it to, there's probably something that you're learning from that experience that you're going to take away from it. And you're going to feel proud of yourself because you did something that was scary and you tried Mm -hmm. it. And that is you know, we're all deserving of that feeling of like, oh, I'm so proud of myself that I just tried that. And yeah, it's shitty. It didn't work out like I wanted, or I'm so glad I did this because it worked out exactly how I could have imagined it worked out. There's always something that we're going to take away from that and learn from that and grow from that, which is the goal of life is continue growing and evolving and all of that. Yeah. 
And it doesn't have to be something big. Like I'm thinking in my head a couple months ago, I was on a cruise and I didn't going doing karaoke in front of people is like one of my scariest things ever, but I didn't. And so it could, and I was, and I'm literally still so proud of myself that I got up there and I did it. Of course, like Chad had to save me halfway through. I just like really, but like, regardless, I'm just, so it doesn't always have to be something so grand, but it could be something small. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, and now, like, karaoke yeah. is going to feel less scary for you in the future. Exactly. Like, like this isn't going to be as big of a fear anymore because you've done it once. You survived it. It wasn't maybe as bad as you thought it was. And now you can do it again. So, A hundred percent. My next goal right now is to sit at a restaurant or a bar by myself. Um, especially, specifically a bar. Mm-hmm. I, I am so scared to do it. So I'm gonna, maybe this is, like, going to hold me accountable. But because, like, who the fuck? cares if you're sitting at a bar alone like yeah. why are why am I so scared of it and I feel like if I just go and just get a little diet coke whatever I get like it's fine yeah. See, what's your like fear gonna... what's the fear with it like someone coming up to you or are you looking like oh, no. weird because you're by yourself or I think it's just like because I'm by myself Oh my god! Like, yeah, not even someone. I don't, I don't even think anyone knows who I am if I sit at a bar. I'm like, who's that? Girl? I think the fear is someone's gonna be like, who's that girl? Like, why is she sitting alone? Mm-hmm. But, but also, like, I've seen people alone at bars reading a book, and I'm like, go you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So like, yeah. Also, I feel like, like people... that looks that looks peaceful. Like, I want to do that. You look very happy and content sitting at the bar with your book. <laughs> Exactly. And also, more importantly, everyone is concerned. No one's concerned about me. Everyone's concerned about themselves at the end of the day. Not in a bad way, but like, aren't like, they're going to look at me for a second, then move on. So I don't know. I'm talking myself into this. This is actually my therapy session right now. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. And also remembering that like, you could, you saw someone do that. And that was like, mm-hmm. your reaction was go you, right? So like, yes. what makes you think someone's not going to see you do that and be like, oh, go her. Like, I'm going to do that next, right? Yes. Yeah. You got to do it. Okay. I think you should do it. Hold me accountable at the end of the month. Okay. <laughs> yes, check we're gonna check, we're gonna yeah. check back in on August 31st or however many days are in August, 30 or 31. I don't remember. And we'll see if you've done it yet. <laughs> okay. Perfect. And co- I'll come back on as a brief like intermission. Yes. To talk definitely. about my experience. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, okay. Just quickly before we wrap things up, I know that you had shared a little bit before we started recording, we're talking about comparison and confidence mm-hmm. and self-esteem and all of this stuff. Um, and because this is a podcast that focuses a lot on body image and just recovery and eating disorders and all of that, um, you had mentioned that you have experience with body image, disordered mm-hmm. eating, or an eating disorder. Um, do you mind sharing a little bit about what that experience was for you? So my eating disorder, I think the, the it all started back in college, very early on my like freshman year of college. I was on the cheer team, and um, I remember just so vividly someone made a comment to me. I remember like that was the snap in my head where I'm like, wait, like, I don't also trigger warning, I had anorexia. So mm-hmm. I was, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was really constricting my eating and I struggled with that all throughout college. And sometimes my mom and I talk about till today, like, I don't even know how I function because there was no fuel in me. And I've been to two outpatient, outpatient programs, one in college and one a couple years post-college. And, um, but I mean, I've, I, right now, currently, I always say like eating disorders, like 
I still have habits. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. go away, but you learn to like better have control over it. Um, But I've learned, and I look back and I'm like, I really don't know how I was functioning with nothing in my body or like no substance and my thinking wasn't right. And, but I was still just like on fuels at that point. And, um, but the, like the, the pain it was causing me, like the outbursts with my family, I was lashing out on my loved ones. And I think just with time and like, it's, I've had ups, I've had downs, relapses, but I think in just time and a lot of therapy, working with a lot of therapy. I've done a lot of um, group therapy. That's been one thing that's worked really well for me is speaking to others um, and just holding myself accountable with people and reaching mm-hmm. out for help has been the big thing that's helped me get to where I am today. And and when I have moments today, when I'm struggling, I'll talk to somebody. I kind of have my people who are my safe people that I will call up and I'm like, hey, can you just eat with me? Mm-hmm. And there's those moments to this day. And I, and I love... TikTok sometimes because there's I still see the videos where girls are like hey eat with me and I think it's so beautiful like it makes me cry I remember seeing the first one I'm like we all needed that person at one point not we all but like if you're struggling sometimes you need that person Mm -hmm. so I love the community that like that's one beautiful side of social media is that you feel less alone Mm -hmm. um I have found accounts for mental health literally through TikTok and I've reached out to people and I've signed up through programs through TikTok Mm -hmm. to help me get through things. It's kind of crazy. Like the community of people you can find, I think Facebook groups has been another great outlet for me. Um, Just reading stories, just to know you're not alone at the end of the day and Mm -hmm. that everybody, everybody has something going on, whether they show it or not. So just like trying to be kind to people. So I think that's just something I try to like lead with. And I think that's what, why I enjoy like, Giving, if I can give some positivity to somebody, I think that's what like why I'm where I'm at now. Do you feel so. like you you mentioned you know this started primarily from like a comment that you had received? Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like there was some struggles there with body image prior to that comment, and that kind oh. of just like solidified things for you? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Like looking back, it was a buildup. It wasn't just like that one comment. That's a great point. It wasn't just that one comment that did it, but it was a buildup and buildup. And I think that was just my, like, my breaking point of like, I'll show you what I can do, which was, Mm -hmm. and and that wasn't me talking. That was my eating disorder talking. Mm -hmm. So I try to differentiate that voice, that voice and my voice and knowing kind of sometimes calling it out. Like, I know some people call it Ed, like, Mm -hmm. I hear you. I'm not going to listen to you right now. And I mean, that's the same with like intrusive thoughts, calling those out, even as like, that's something I deal with now, like calling out intrusive thoughts. Like I hear you, but stay on your side of the yard. We're not Mm -hmm. right now. So I think that's been something I've in time, like I've learned it doesn't come easy, but in time just working and Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned you were a cheerleader. Um, you're on the cheer team and stuff. Do you feel like that kind of fueled the fire for you in terms of the feet, like the way that you viewed your body or the comparison or conversations you had with like teammates about body image or anything like that? Like, did you have that experience? I think that was probably one component of it. I think there was a lot of pressure. Um, I just remember being a tall flyer and people always would like comment on it and just like, it was just become, it just became too much. But I do think there was probably other sub- 
like subconscious things building up. It wasn't just cheerleading because I had so many great times in cheerleading. Like that mm-hmm. I did love it, but there was also like those moments under the rug mm-hmm. where I was just like really struggling and I just didn't know what was going on until yeah. I broke down one day. Mm-hmm. So And I yeah. think cheer eating disorders are very like prominent within whether that's like a conscious decision that you're making or something that you are conscious of. I think that they society has kind of built this image of what a cheerleader looks like and what like a dancer Mm -hmm. looks like. And so it's hard to navigate that when society is telling us like, oh, cheerleaders look this way, especially Mm -hmm. in the 2000s, right? Like the early 2000s, it was such, we had the like heroin chic and like all of these different trends that were kind of perpetuating this negative body image that we had of like, okay, if we don't look this way, then something's wrong with us and we need to change the way that we look. And then you add in sports and like some sort of, you know, expectations that may be there, whether that's coming from a coach or a teammate, or it's just like an internalized feeling that you have. That's a hard thing to navigate. A hundred percent. I was just reading through an old 17 magazine. If you ever go back to the ones from like 2005 get one off ebay you will be your jaw is gonna drop at like the advice and all like the member like in every 17 magazine there was a workout section and like the mm-hmm. tone and the language that they used was so tr- so wrong triggering and um yeah it's yeah there's it's definitely was a different time and i mean i know today though there's social media so i'm sure Everyone in sports are dealing with their own things there. But anyway, one thing at a time, but like, exactly. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you know, recognizing the environment that you lived in, right? Whether that was like mm-hmm. your home environment, your school environment, your social environment, and then like just the overall like world that you were mm-hmm. living in and surrounded by. It's like being aware of that helps you to understand like, okay, these thoughts and these behaviors and the development of your eating disorder was not your fault. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a big thing for people to understand. A lot of people place blame and guilt on themselves and they feel like, you know, like they, they, they truly believe that the development of their eating disorder was their fault. When in reality, a lot of times it's Mm -hmm. not. And there's a lot of other factors that play a role in that, that we have very little control over. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I, w- I wish I could give those people like a hug. All those people. Cause I it's know. just like, it's, it's tough, mm-hmm. but I hope everybody who's out there like struggling just finds like the help that they need or the outlet or that one video or that one person. Cause it's out there, but I know it can be mm-hmm. tough and it, and you yeah. have to be ready for yeah. change. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember that was one yeah. thing for me. I try like, especially like that was one thing. My my parents could tell me to get help all they wanted, but it not it was not until I was ready to do it. So I try to be mindful when I talk to people or friends, even if it's not body related. Like if it's breaking up with a guy, like you will make that decision. Like you will know. When did you When did you feel ready? Like when When did that time come for you? I'll never forget. I was like at an In and Out Burger with my parents, and I remember my mom being like, 
this is like, this is it. Like you're going to go to outpatient program. Like it kind of was just like, I think it was so painful for my, my parents to see what I was going through and not knowing how to help when I was being so just like pushing away the people that was who were trying to help me. And I'm so grateful that they stepped in and they're like, we're going to, you're going to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I mean, they just want, they, it's so hard to see your child like, yeah struggling. So Mm -hmm. that was, but then for me after college, I remember really spiraling at work. I was working late nights. I was like dizzy all the time. I couldn't, I just felt, I just want, I was crying all the time. I remember being like, I can't live like this anymore. So then I checked myself into an outpatient program in the city. And that's when I started group um, sessions and group therapy changed my life. Like the community of girls, which I'm still friends with to this day, which is crazy. And that was 10 years ago, nine years ago. Like, but just hearing other people's stories and seeing people who are there for you and the accountability for me is what I needed to show up. And like, to also it just became my safe spot. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like my safe space where I can go, where I was like, all right, I'm going to get better. Like here, I, or if I'm not feeling it, I'll, I can just listen today. Like it just was such like a home for me. So I'm just so grateful for like all those therapists and people I met. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point of like, you know, that step of that, like taking that step toward getting help is Mm -hmm. always like the hardest. It's like, I remember even for me coming to terms with my eating disorder and being like, I can't share this with anyone. Like I am so ashamed, like Mm -hmm. that no one can know that I'm going through this. Um, And that was so, so much more harmful for me because I was expecting myself to navigate all of this on my own. And Mm -hmm. also it just kind of continued to replay in my head. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, this isn't, this isn't, you know, this isn't as bad as I think it is, or it could be Mm -hmm. worse. Right. And I think when I first told someone or, you know, I shared openly, like, this is something I've been struggling with for five years. Um, mm-hmm. There was just this, like, weight lifted off my shoulders of, like, oh, I don't have to, like, hide yes. this anymore. Like, I can, like, share this now and get support and not feel ashamed anymore. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my clients that I'm, like, you're, you can't struggle in silence. Like, you, you yeah. cannot. You have to... You have to share your struggles with someone, whether that's a family member, a friend, a therapist, like someone random that you met in a Facebook group on, you know, like mm-hmm. sharing it with someone is just the hardest step, but it's also one of the most important steps for us to take. Couldn't agree more. And it's kind of crazy because as I'm talking about this, there's like a little voice in my head right now that's saying, you shouldn't be talking about this. You shouldn't be talking about this. But I think that's what I need to push through because I know this is so important. I know there's like, if one person can listen to this and be like, wait, I can relate. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, it's happening now where it's like, yeah. don't talk about it, but it's it's okay. It is okay. Like, it needs to be talked about. And I'm proud of myself for talking about it. This yeah. is like a proud of myself moment because it's something I actually don't talk about often, but I, I, yeah. but I do know in my heart it's important. So mm-hmm. definitely. And yeah. understanding like you get to choose what you share, right? And you get yes. to take that, you get to take that as slow as you want. And, you know, asking yourself like, why do I feel like I can't share this? Like, why do I feel mm-hmm. like I have to keep this to myself? I feel like for me personally, a lot of that was the shame. I didn't want people yeah. to worry about me. 
I'm a people pleaser from the, since the day I literally was born. And so I feel like that was a big part of it for me where I was like, I, I can't have people worried about me. And two, I have to like put up this image that I'm good. Like I'm good and I'm doing well and I'm healthy and all this stuff. And I can't show that I'm struggling. Um, but we can, we're human and we all struggle and we deserve to share that and have that space to be like, I can talk about this. And if you want to judge me for talking about it, then that's on you. That has nothing to do with me. That is an internal projection that you are dealing with that I have no control over. Right? Snapping snapping over here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that is so important what you just said. So yeah. Yes. I was snapping (laughs) throughout that. Because that that, kind of takes the weight off things too, Mm -hmm. to remember. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I, you know, I thank you for, I thank you for opening up and sharing this experience. Um, I know it's not easy and I tell all of my guests this, I feel like as a therapist, my, you know, conversations with guests usually turn into these sort of conversations where it's like, Mm -hmm. you're kind of helping me realize that I should, you know, do this more or, you know, do XYZ. And, and I think like, all of those realizations, those aren't, I'm not getting you there. You're getting yourself there. And that's, you know, I hope, I hope that you're proud of yourself for opening up and sharing and talking about this because I'm sure it's going to feel, it already probably does feel good. And Mm -hmm. after we wrap up this conversation, you're probably gonna be like, Oh gosh, that felt so good to kind of just like get all that off my chest. (laughs) No, absolutely. You're so right. Like uh, tonight's, um, Chad and I are going to, it's taco night here. Um, so we're so excited. Like this, so I'm excited to like have tacos, watch Love Island and you're right. Come off (laughs) such a great conversation and, and pushing my, not pushing myself, but opening up. Cause I think mm-hmm. it's such a great thing. So definitely. And it. you are empowering so many people just by, you know, sharing that here in this space and being like, uh, it's hard to want to open up and it's hard to want to be vulnerable, but it's always worth it. And, <laughs> you know, just by you doing that and you sharing that, you know, there might be one listener who's like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to go call a friend and tell them that I'm struggling with something and, you know, open up and be a little bit more vulnerable. Love that. Exactly. Amazing. So Kate, to kind of wrap things up, do you have one piece of advice that you would give listeners in terms of navigating like a tool that you use or just a piece of advice in navigating that negative talk, that voice in your head that tries to get you to self-sabotage or think negatively about yourself? Yeah. Um, I just think, well, one thing in general, just if I'm struggling to do something, because sometimes my brain always kind of goes to negative. I've been trying to tell myself lately, what if it does work out? And it kind of helps me just like get myself out of a negative mindset of like, why not me? Like once if it does work out for me. And then also I've been just been, I've been working on this for honestly the past 48 hours, just, but just looking at myself in the mirror and giving myself a compliment. It sounds kind of like, it sounds kind of cringy, but like, but, um, I'm just starting to try to be kinder to myself instead of looking in the mirror and always putting myself down for what? Once if I just start believing that like, like I'm, I'm okay. Like, like give my, just, it feels good to give myself a compliment. And I feel like, you know, when you, if you talk badly to like flowers, they kind of wilt. I remember seeing yeah. a video about that recently. And I kind of was like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like treating myself like that flower. Like I can't keep yeah. talking to myself like this for what? 
So mm-hmm. I've been just, so I think that's for everybody out there. Give yourself a compliment in the mirror, even high five yourself in the mirror. I know it sounds so weird, but that feeling of like high fiving, I remember seeing a video about that. I don't know where, if you do it sometimes, like try it, it's going to, yeah. you'll feel like good. Yeah. And I love that. I think that that's such an important like thing to remember is like the way that we speak to ourselves, literally creates our core beliefs and our thought processes that we have. So if we're like continually speaking negatively about ourselves and we're not doing anything to stop those negative thoughts and we're just allowing Mm -hmm. them to kind of snowball, we're going to, Oh, those are going to be our like automatic thoughts that we always have compared to if we throw in an interruption and we say, Hey, like I'm stopping this negative thought and I'm putting a positive one in you're creating, Mm -hmm. you're recreating those new thoughts for yourself. Yeah. Over time, those positives will become easier. I always tell clients that I'm like, at the beginning, it's going to feel really cringy. It's going to feel really hard, but you have to, you're going to have a thought no matter what. So do you want that to be a shitty thought that's negative or do you want it to be a positive one that maybe feels a little bit cringy, but at least it's positive. So pick Mm -hmm. and choose, you know, one's going to lead you feeling like shit about yourself. One's going to lead you feeling a little bit better about yourself. So choose which one you want to go with. Yeah, the high five is definitely the cringiest part, but I'm so I'm but 48 hours in it gets better. I'm just telling you yes. that now, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. I love that. I love that. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. Um, we have been going for about an hour now and I just feel like we just started. So that's always a good sign of a good conversation when it feels like it's gone very fast. Um, yeah. but before we wrap things up, do you mind just sharing with listeners where they can find you? where they can follow along. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, well, I first want to thank everybody for just like listening and giving me the space to open up about this because I just really appreciate it. And okay. My social media, um, on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram is it's Kate Steinberg. So you can find me there. Yes. And I'll put everything in the show notes so that everyone can find you easily. Um, but again, thank you so much, Kate, for being here and for being vulnerable and, I'm sure there's so many listeners who are going to walk away from this just fought one following you two feeling like, Oh, this nostalgic content is so therapeutic and three feeling less alone in their struggles with body image and just eating disorder and asking for help and anxiety, right? Like mm-hmm. you're doing work to, you know, you're sharing your experience with being, you know, being on anxiety medications now, and that's yeah. going to remove stigma for a lot of people. So that's a beautiful thing. And so I thank you for that. Love it. Thanks, Carly. I appreciate it. Of course. And listeners, if you resonated with today's episode, please feel free to leave a rating or review and screenshot you listening. Tag Kate and I. Let us know what your thoughts are on today's episode. And I'll see you all in the next episode. Bye.